0: Well, back with another edition of the Bowler's Extra Podcast on this Saturday evening after Purdue's 82-76 victory over Michigan at Mackey Arena, setting up Tuesday's showdown with Illinois at Mackey Arena. Now, remember, that game was originally scheduled for Thursday, February 10th. It was moved to Tuesday, February 8th. At nine o'clock, so the Purdue-Michigan game in our Ar- in our Ar- in Ann Arbor could be rescheduled for the 10th. So just so you're aware of all that, when you look at an original schedule, you're not going to see the Illinois game on it on this Tuesday. But it is nine o'clock. Uh, ESPN, uh, Purdue Radio Network will have it. Illinois leads the league at 10 and two. Purdue's right behind at nine and three. Uh, I think uh, Wisconsin is 9-3 now, and uh, Michigan State is 8-3 after Michigan State lost to Rutgers. Wisconsin beat Penn State uh, tonight, but uh, the big game for Purdue, beating Michigan, uh, it's a game they led basically from start to finish. Uh, Michigan got close uh, in the second half, got close in the first half after Purdue had gotten out to a 12-point lead. Um and, you know, Michigan got close in the second half again. Came out on a hot run to start. But, you know, Purdue kept having answers. And those answers came from Jaden Ivey. I mean, Jaden, I think Jaden Ivey played his best overall offensive game of his career at Purdue. And I'm saying that because, and even though he did not hit a three-pointer. I think he was 0 for 6. This is the Jaden Ivey, I think... That Purdue needs to win a championship and go deep in the NCAA tournament. For whatever reason, he was able to get inside Michigan's defense today, carve them up. Whether they played zone, whether they played man, whether they switched during the possession, he found the openings and he got to the rim, or he got in the paint, and he got in the line, and he got in the lane and did his business. Uh, most of the times he scored. All eight of his field goals came in the paint. I think there were three dunks um but everything everything he hit was in the paint and I, I just think that creates so much for this Purdue offense because once he gets once he gets in the lane and he is in control he's able to decide what to do at that point is he going to the rim is he going to dump it off to a big is he going to give it out to a shooter and you know, we saw that in the first half where he got he got it out to Gillis, who hit a couple threes, and then the second half he 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 got it into the the, the post players. Uh, he finished with seven assists and six rebounds. I, I, I know it was far off, but I thought, hmm, you know, I, at one point I was thinking maybe he could have he could get a triple double because he rebounds so he rebounds the ball so well. Uh, on the defensive end, that he becomes, you know, the point guard. He triggers that transition. And people have complained to me about Purdue doesn't have a point guard, their point guard play play stinks, it's this, it's that. And I've tried to explain to them, it's like they have a point guard. His name is Jaden Ivey, and he's their transition point guard. Now, Eric Hunter is more their traditional point guard. Isaiah Thomas is more the traditional point guard, but... You have that point guard there. You know the question is then, well, why doesn't he do it all the time? Well, because that's not what Purdue needs from him in the half court. You know they need they need him to be uh, the playmaker in the half court uh, and feeding off other people. Where when he's in transition transition he can be the playmaker, but he also can be the facilitator. Uh, You know Purdue needs him to score, and he's been doing that very well lately. Um, but I, I I think he had his best offensive game of his Purdue career uh, today. And I know the numbers don't. I think he finished 8 of 16 from the field. Uh, he was 0 of 6 from 3. Um, so he would have been 8 of 10 inside the, inside the arc. But it was the rebounds. It was the triggering of the transition. It was the 7 assists. As I said, the 6 rebounds. The one steal that led to... You know the coast to coast, or I don't know if the steel led to coast to coast, but the uh, rebound maybe led to coast to coast. But from an offensive standpoint, I just thought he was—I thought he was at his best, and I think he's been at his best here recently. I think the Minnesota game—he was at his—he was—he was playing at a high level, um, and he's—he's he's fully recovered. The Ohio State game—he he did. Now, he, was he great defensively? No, but uh, we, we know that that's the case with this team. But, you know, Jay Divey, uh, you know, I thought really he raised his level, and I think it brought everybody else with him. And, you know, Travion Williams got going. Uh, He's been in a bit of a slump. Uh, You know, the three-pointer was really big. Um, But he was able to finish down low, Uh, went to war with Hunter Dickinson, uh, him and Zach Eadie. You know, Zach struggled early with the, the physical play, couldn't finish around the rim. He was 1-5 of to start, but then, you know, settled down and, you know, Purdue kept feeding him the ball. You know, he got some dunks. Uh, he got going that way. Um, and then when you look at the line of Williams and Edie, you know, 32-17, and 17, Dickinson had 28 points. Uh, so, Purdue's two bigs, you know, out Dickinson. You know, without Dickinson, Michigan's probably not in this game. Just, you know, aside the fact that he scored 28, but, you know, if you recall in the first half, you know, he kept hitting perimeter shots. You know, he was not getting his points in the lane in the first half. He was getting them outside. He hit a couple threes, probably should have had another three. Um, you know, I think his foot was on the line. Uh, but he kept him in the game until some of their other guys got going. And, you know, and that was a team that kept coming back on Purdue. You know, Purdue had a 12-point lead early. You know, they kept coming back. Uh, you know, start the second half, they were 5-for-5 five five from the field. Would have been 7-for-7 seven seven, if not for Mason Gillis, uh, stepping up and taking two charges in the uh, before the first media timeout. Um, but Purdue just kept answering. Ivy kept answering. Others kept answering. You know, Sasha Stefanovic had a couple points in the paint, you know, reverse layup here and there. Uh, you know, because Purdue went cold you know, Purdue got hot from three point range and then they got cold from three point range. I I think they were 1 for 4 in the second half from three point range. Eric Hunter's three that he hit was big. It's now I think it snapped a string of eight um, five, five straight misses at that point, maybe more. But, you know, he he hit another big three just like he did at, at Ohio State. So, um I, I figured this would be a a high-scoring game because both teams came in averaging uh, I mean, they were first and second in scoring in Big Ten games. They were first and second in field goal percentage in Big Ten games. Knowing how Purdue has not been uh, a great defensive team this year, uh, that I, I, you know, I thought Purdue really had to, had to step up and, and score some points today. And this is the team that's capable of doing this. Matt Painter recruited this team to score. He recruited scores. He recruited people that can put the ball in the basket. And, and as you know, uh, the that has sacrificed some of their defense because the players that they have, most of them are in tune um, offensively. They're not really in tune defensively. They understand the importance of it. They they play it. They they do. I mean, Travion had four steals today, so he was active with his hands again. Um, but you know, as you know, they don't have that alpha dog on defense that other Purdue teams have had, and they're not going to have an alpha dog on defense. But this, you know, this is who they are. They're they're twenty and three, they're nine and three in the Big Ten. They've won their games because they've been able to, to to play well enough offensively in those games. And when when they do struggle offensively, they, you know, that that is the question moving forward with this team is when they when they are going when they struggle offensively, when multiple people struggle offensively, you know, can they win? You know, three games they haven't reached seventy points, they've lost. Every other game they have scored over seventy and won. Uh, it's not a, it's not an automatic thing. Uh, it just doesn't happen. But, uh, that's the trend line for Purdue right now. And again, this is who they are. This is who they're going to be. Um, they had problems with the press for a little bit. But if you notice, they put, uh, Sasha Stefanovic as a screener, uh, to help get away from some of the pressure. Uh, and for whatever reason, and Matt Painter brought it up afterwards, for whatever reason, um, you know Purdue seems to abandon the ball the handler, and you know the crowd now starts to get antsy when they see the press, and you know when the when there's like when the shot clocks at twenty five, they're all like, "Hey, get it over, get it over," uh, you know Purdue had you know they had they had some issues, and but. They, you know, they got through it. They, they dealt with it and got through it. Um, they're going to continue to face it. Uh, they're not going to be perfect at it. And I get an email from, you know, during the game. It's like, does Painter even practice against the press? Like, come on. It's, you know, I, I've asked a lot of stupid questions in my day. And that, that's, that's, that's a stupid question. Of course they practice against it. Of course they prepare for it. So it's like, you know, uh, another guy emailed me and wanted to know if they had a free throw coach. It's like, uh, no. <laughs> Guys shoot free throws. Coaches study their form. You know, they make tweaks. And, you know, that's just you know, that's the way it is. So, you know, they're going to continue to practice and prepare. Um, you know, this was a weird week for Purdue in a way. And this is, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not offering any kind of excuse. But, you know, the travel situation, you know, limited their practice time and Painter has erred on the side of doing less practice to get the players off their feet because they're in a, they're, they are in a stretch of not having a day off from practice, uh, because of the number of games they, they have to play. Uh, so, you know, they have, you know, he, he's erred on the side of doing shorter practices, uh, more walkthrough stuff, uh, more shooting stuff. Um, to kind of keep them as fresh as possible, and you know, we'll see see how it works. It doesn't mean they're not preparing because they watch film, they they break it down, they see the mistakes, you know. They're 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 told how to correct it, and you know, and then they've got to get in the game and do it. And you know, as, as the game went on a little bit, it, it, I, I think they handled it better. Again, it wasn't perfect, and it's not going to be. Um, but you know, as as, as Purdue gets deeper into the season, um, and then when they start the NCAA tournament and they start playing teams they don't really know or know them, they're going to see the, the the problems that they've had against the press, and they're going to. You know, and, and if a team is capable of doing it, not every team presses, not every not every team does that, and you just don't automatically put it in your in your arsenal and say, okay, now we're going to be a full-court pressing team when we play Purdue. You can apply some pressure and you can do some other things, but if that's not who you are and that's not how you play throughout the season, then teams won't do it a whole lot. Like, Wisconsin's not a pressing team because that's not kind of what they do. Now, do they get in a a spot when they get down? Do they scramble a little bit? Do they uh, try to, you know, pick up some pressure? Sure, all teams do that. But you know, Michigan has shown it off and on. Iowa, as you know, you know, it's something that is part of their playbook and what they and what they do. Um, but you know, they're they're going to have to deal with it. And I, I know several people are like, well, that'll be their downfall, and uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Well, you know, we'll see. Uh, and again, Purdue's not a perfect team; it has flaws, but. You know they are strong offensively. They need some work defensively. Uh, they just got to keep plugging along at it. You know, speaking of defense, Mason Gillis's stock is just continues to rise. I mean, he took a took a couple charges tonight that were big, uh, and, and and that's something that I, I think can feed the rest of the team. But again, you know, it's not it's not going to be like other Purdue teams. It's just not. Uh, they just have to get off the field or get off the court or make some stops here and there uh, and then make sure you're still scoring at a high level. But it was a very entertaining game today. Uh, it wasn't really back and forth, but it was back and forth. Uh, but now Tuesday looms large uh, because this is a huge swing game uh, for Purdue. Uh, and the other thing about is he should have had a third charge. Uh, but uh, the referees uh, didn't uh, uh, didn't call that late in the game and the other thing that happened, which I'm not sure you noticed, is that Purdue was not called for a foul in the first half. Now you can look at that two ways. Number one, Purdue was disciplined on defense and didn't didn't reach didn't didn't commit a silly foul, didn't put itself in a position to to, to foul or, they're just not being aggressive enough uh, so it's probably a little bit of both but you know Purdue got out of there the first half without getting a foul called on them that, made, that means no free throws for Michigan um, but you know the referees kind of let the bigs play and similar to the Illinois game a little bit where they let them play they let them they let them bang around a little bit but as you know there's always a touch call that comes up and you're like well you call that you don't call the other thing and all that kind of stuff, but, um, but anyway, those were those were a couple of things on my mind before we switched to Illinois, and it's a big swing game Tuesday because uh, obviously if Purdue wins, they're gonna they'll tie with Illinois uh, atop the league uh, and hold the tiebreaker because they they would have beaten beaten the the Illini twice, and I you know I think those tiebreakers are gonna are gonna come into play later in the season as um, as we get to the end when you're gonna have some teams tied. Uh you know, if Illinois would win then that would put them up uh two games on Purdue. Uh, and even though Purdue and Illinois would split, you know, then you've got to go through a whole list of uh, tiebreakers to to get uh to find out uh, you know who gets who gets whatever spot that is. Uh so you know Tuesday's game is is really big I mean it's really big. It's not it's not necessarily going to decide anything because there's just too many games left and too many head-to-head matchups between these teams that are battling for the league right now. It's uh, it's Purdue, it's Illinois, it's Michigan State, uh, it's Wisconsin, and then out there on the fringe is is Ohio State lurking. Uh, but you know the top four right now are you know they still have games against each other, so there's a there's a whole lot to be decided no matter what happens on. On uh, on Tuesday, and then Purdue's got to go back to Michigan on, on Thursday. And, you know, this game that was played today is still going to be fresh. You know, Michigan will make adjustments to try to keep Jaden Ivey out of the lane as much as possible. Uh, and it's going to be a different situation because Purdue's going to play on the road. And Michigan's going to be more tuned in. They're going to be, you know, it's going to be fresh for them. And they're going to be looking to. To make those kind of uh, adjustments and and get back, but you know they have a game Tuesday uh, against Penn State, just like Purdue has to play Illinois. And as you start looking at the Illinois game, obviously you want to get you, you want to try to get Kofi Coburn in foul trouble, but you know that happened the last time. But uh, there other guys kind of stepped up, and although Purdue did build a lead in the first half and and went into the locker room and you know was. Was kind of in control for most of the second half. Illinois came back. Uh, you know, Coburn didn't play as many minutes as you would expect in a game like that. You know, but Zach and Travion, you know, really held their own. Uh, Purdue got good contributions from everybody else. I really thought that 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 game was the start of Eric Hunter, uh, em- Eric Hunter's emergence here over the last few games, where he's kind of. You know, he, he's playing with that sense of urgency. He's playing you know, the way seniors play when they know that there's limited games on the schedule left and you only have so many that you're guaranteed because he, he had stepped up in the, in the double overtime, hit some free throws. Uh, if you remember, scored a couple big baskets on uh, passes from Travion cut through the lane. Uh, but Purdue's going to have to uh, really deny their three-point shooters. Uh, they, they hosted up a whole bunch of them uh, in that game. Uh, and they kept coming up with the big ones, and Corbello wasn't supposed to play that game, but did, and ended up with 20 points. So I think Purdue will be more in tune to what he's doing. Uh, but obviously, you've got to slow down Coburn. Uh, he had a monster game earlier in the week against Wisconsin. Uh, he got Trace Jackson Davis in foul trouble early today uh, in their win at Indiana. Um, so it's it's going to be a it's going to be a battle of who can get which player in foul trouble, who can stay on the floor the longest. Uh, and, you know, both teams are going to, going to need to get some shots from the perimeter. Uh, but you know, a guy like Jaden Ivy can be the difference in a, in a game like that, uh, because of his skill set and the way he's playing right now, hey, playing at a much slower pace, uh, using his dribble drives to kind of figure out what the defense is doing. Uh, and you know I would expect to him to continue, and we'll see what Illinois does with him defensively. Um, so anytime you double Purdue nowadays, any player on Purdue, there's always a weapon out there, and you have really got to be conscious of that. Uh, you're better off just going one on one, or you're better off getting the ball out of Ivy's hands, or getting it out of Edie's hands, or getting it out of Trevion's hands, um, because you know they just they have guys that can that can shoot and score. Purdue will be at home and. Mackey will be alive again and rocking and it uh, should be a great environment. It should be the first of or the the second or third of many great games that are gonna be coming up here to end the in uh, the regular season uh, as uh, we get closer to to the end. You know, I, I think I said um, on the last podcast that the stretch is a defining stretch for Purdue and I'm I'm sticking with it because if somehow Purdue can get out of this three-game stretch, playing Michigan's twice in Illinois, um, you get 3-0, and you know, I really think that sets them up to go win the Big Ten as you get through the rest of the season. Yeah, they've got games against Maryland, they've got games against Northwestern, they've got Rutgers at home, uh, but, you, you know, they still have to go to Michigan State, uh, they still have to go to Wisconsin, you know, that in itself, and they close with Indiana, Those, that three-game, you know, is... Is a define would be the ultimate defining stretch because those are the last three games. But if Purdue can get three and zero out of this stretch, and, and they get to eleven and three, I really think that sets them up to to close this thing out. Um, I, I think they would be in really good position to do that. Doesn't mean they win it outright, uh, but I, I do think it puts them in a great position to to close this thing out. If you go two and one. Um, you're still there. One and two probably probably takes you out a little bit. Uh, then you've got a lot of work to do and you need some help. And you'd have to really, you know, those those games, at the, those last three games at the end then become must-wins if you want to win the title. Uh, but yeah, a lot of things can change. A lot of things can shake out differently. You know, once we think we all know something, something else happens like you know Wisconsin barely beats Penn State tonight 51 to 49 at home so Mike Shusbury's team almost did Purdue a favor uh so it's a you know it's been a it's been a exciting Big Ten season up to this point there's a lot more to go I think Purdue is still in a great position I you know I you know, really I really think that um they're starting to hit their stride a little bit and yes they can be better in a lot of areas um They'll need to be better in some other areas, but um, you know, I just think they're they're playing well right now, and they're doing the things they need to do to win games, and that's that's kind of what you want, right? <laughs> so, anyway, we appreciate you stopping by. Uh, not sure what I really covered tonight, other than a bunch of rambling, but uh, we appreciate you tuning in to the podcast. And uh, uh, as I drive on these snowy roads uh, back home. Uh, So, anyway, again, you know, Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, is the the showdown game. And uh, we'll see where uh, Purdue and Illinois stand after that. Again, thanks for stopping by. Questions, comments, feel free to to reach out. Uh, We'll try to, to answer your questions as best as possible. All right. Well then uh thank again. Thanks for stopping by and have a good day and have a good weekend.